Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury here. I'll be joined by Steve Sabrin and Clarkie. This show brought to you, as always, by our great friends at CoolBet.co. On this week's episode, we'll be chatting with a foursome of great Canadian curlers, Sean and Katie Cottrell, our friends in mixed doubles. They will be on. We will also chat with Tracy Flurry and John Epping, some Canadian curling royalty on the show. We'll also chat with our resident golf expert, Ian Doig of the Ian Doig Golf Academy to talk about winged foot and what Bryson DeChambeau did there. And as always, we will have our friend Chris Abbott, our wagering expert on from coolbet.co. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by coolbet.co. This is MWO Sports. Hey everybody, welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. I'm Ryan Drury. He is Clarky. That is Steve Sabrin. We are brought to you as always by CoolBet.co and we're very excited. Uh, there are a lot of people involved in the show today. We've got four great guests from the curling world, Canadian curling royalty, of course. Chris Clark's bitter rivals, our friends, the Cottrell, Sean and Katie Cottrell. And of course, we are also joined uh, by Tracy Flurry and John Epping as well. We've got Canadian curling royalty on the show. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for, yeah, having, thanks for having us. I'm, I'm just happy that uh, this is uh, sponsored by CoolBet. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. There are guys, man. Uh, remember, at the end of the show, our friend Chris Abbott, our wagering expert, will join us and give us his picks for the weekend. Uh, before we do that, though, guys, obviously the sports world got turned on its head this year. COVID-19 has been probably the hugest obstacle I've ever seen or know of in modern sports history, for sure. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll go around the table here. I'll start with the Cottrells. I mean, what has this done to the season? What's it done to local curling clubs? Where is the season hanging in the balance? That sort of thing. Uh, Sean and Katie, where is it from your perspective? Kind of on hold. Um, we haven't started any playing any events yet. Um, there's been a lot of events that usually are early in the year have been canceled or postponed. Um, we're kind of just waiting to see what the competitive season's going to look like, um, if it's going to start up, when it's going to start up. Um, yeah, as far as local clubs, it's a lot of the same. Some clubs have decided not to put ice in this year um, because of the unknowns, and some of them are kind of still waiting to make that decision. So it's a lot of unknowns. <laughs> And Tracy, for yourself, uh, what are you hearing about local playdowns and and Scotties, and uh, what what do you hear happening there? Yeah, there's a lot still up in the air right now. Um, so we're we're still trying to plan out our season. Um, we're hoping that maybe there's some events in the new year. The Scotties hasn't been canceled, so um, that might happen. Maybe provincials. Um, but uh, yeah, it's tough times, especially I live in Ontario and my teammates live in Manitoba. So trying to navigate the quarantine rules and all that, uh, just a lot of uncertainty right now. And John, of course, the Briar, what are you hearing on that front? Yeah, not much uh, that it's that it's uh, it's still going to happen, but we don't know in in what kind of uh, of way. And I think it's uh, I think we have to be, you know, as, as curlers, we have to be able to go with the flow right now. We can't really plan too much. Whatever event comes up, uh, try and plan it if we can. We want to help curling. I think that's the the biggest thing right now is is what I'm worried about most is just curling across the country. Uh, I'd like to see clubs open. It scares me when they don't. Um, it's a long winter for people. And, uh, you know, if they're not curling, 
you know, I know it's a, it's a big part of their mental health. It's a big part of getting out, being active. So to me, it's a little worrisome uh, when I when I hear curling clubs, you know, are not going to open. I understand, obviously, with what's going on. Um, but uh, that's why, you know, I, I'm playing this weekend in a, in a mixed doubles event. And I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just happy to 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 try and, and see what it's going to look like and get an idea of of how we can uh, how we can make this worth our work and and kind of set a standard going forward. Um, John, when you look at uh, kind of reverse the order here, um, when you look at curling where it was pre-COVID, it looked like it had a little bit of momentum. It was growing across the country. Uh, the pros were really clicking along. There was a lot of interest. Um, you know, how much can curling absorb if people aren't getting onto the sheets? That's a really good question. Um I don't think as much as we want it to. I think it's actually going to be up to us as the players to really help make this currently season great for the fans. Uh, we finished the last event was the last rock I threw was the Briar and, and you know, what a great show Kingston put on. And um, so I think, you know, for example, I'm going to try as much as I can and, and live stream our own games, you know, through mixed doubles and through our men's because I know people are dying to watch mm -hmm. curling and they want to see curling and in some form. Obviously, it's not going to be the great overheads that, uh, you know, that sports that TSN have. But but I think if we can put it on in some fashion that allow people to wake up in the morning and turn on the computer and maybe watch a little live stream and see see some curling, because I think that's what we're really, uh, you know, everybody's really starving for and craving for. I would agree. And uh, I mean, Tracy, you mentioned earlier from your perspective, I mean, you're up in Sudbury, you're from the area, your teammates are in Manitoba, two places that are extremely passionate about the sport. I mean, from your perspective, I mean, you know, John obviously has his teammates nearby. Sean and Katie are a paired mixed doubles team. But for you, you know, we've talked with the Cottrells here often about strategizing and, and different ways that they put their game plan together. For you, it's got to be quite a bit more difficult not physically having your teammates nearby. Yeah, difficult for sure. Uh, we definitely have a lot of Zoom meetings. Uh, we're trying our best to keep in touch. Um, but yeah, it'll, it looks like it'll be a lot of practicing on our own, unfortunately. And Sean, Tracy, uh, just, oh, sorry, uh, Tracy, oh, ahead, just to Steve. follow up that, um, what about the international events and everything? We talk about the national events, but what about the internationals, you know, the Olympics and, and the world curling? Like, how much of a setback is is this for those types of events? Well, it, it does seem that some international events are still running overseas. So um, that kind of makes it hard on us too here in Canada, seeing um, all these great teams getting to compete. Uh, we wish we could do the same. Um, yeah, it's it's just different over there. and um, But at least it gives us a little bit of uh, curling to watch. Uh, Sean, I had a question uh, to take off John's earlier, um, talking about clubs opening. Obviously, your dad, we know him well in this area, runs the Wingham Curling Club. And I think he's right in the room with you right now. But what's happening there? Do you know if they're putting ice in? Do you know if we're going to be able to curl there this winter? What's the word? So, yeah, the, the board of directors met a week or so ago and did vote yes to put ice in we're hoping that that's the case um that was before the latest kind of surge in cases but we're geographically we're in a pretty good place here i think in midwestern ontario where we don't have a lot of cases um 
it's it's the travel outside of this area that's the the difficult thing for us i think um i mean our season was already we were planning on maybe not starting till the middle of october with the arrival of our little one in july um it was going to be a later start for us um but yeah we're we're a little we're we're a little concerned about traveling too much at this point but we are hoping that our, our home club sounds like they're going to put ice in for sure nice. clarky clarky just wants that's true. That's that's what we're hearing. Clarky, I think you just want an opportunity to try and uh, beat the Cottrells again like you did that one time that you brag about always. Um, guys, I want to ask kind of all three of you, I guess I guess we'll go Sean and Katie, Tracy and then and then John. What is this um, what is this pandemic doing in terms of things like Olympic rankings or just overall rankings? Like, will it just carry forward? I mean, how is it going to affect something like that, like qualifying for Olympics, local tournaments, national tournaments? What's it going to do? Yeah, if you could find out and let us know, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> at, at this point, the world rankings and the Canadian rankings for men's, women's, and mixed doubles have all been suspended to the end of November. So um, there are, as John mentioned, a few events that are happening right now, but they will, won't will be counting towards ranking points. So um, it's, yeah, we at this point, it's the end of November, but... There's a lot of speculation out there that it might be longer than that. Um, I'm going to direct this, uh, start with uh, Tracy. Um, we talked a lot about the challenge of the game with COVID. When the game does return, what are some of the things that the fans can expect to see? Have there been any rule changes or any gameplay changes that um, will affect players, the game, or how the fans take in the game? Yeah, so currently Canada released um, some guidelines for playing uh, through COVID. Um, so there's things such as like wearing masks, social distancing, um, certain rules with sweeping. Uh, so yeah, I think um, for some events, um, curling will look a little bit different. And what about the rules of the game? Are there any changes that uh, we may have missed uh, at the end of last season or maybe to start this season that changes the game at all? Not that I can think of. I believe you might not be able to sweep your opponent's rocks <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'm not sure if you can sweep maybe behind the T-line or not. I'm not sure if you have to be on the backboards, which which yeah, actually I'm, right. a huge, I'm a mm. huge fan of. Because I don't know why that the other why the other why the team that's in control of the house isn't in mm. control in control in control of the house total control of the house. Uh, so you know sometimes you get in the way of each other behind the the T line mm -hmm. sweepers the skips we get in the way of each other. So to me it actually kind of makes sense that that whoever mm -hmm. you know is, whichever team is uh, is throwing they they have total control. That's you know it, cool. it always uh, amazes me how you as athletes um, sweep and manipulate the rocks because I could just see myself out there trying to sweep and stepping on one of the stones and just flying off the sheet. Like the footwork is amazing. And that's, that's, I think one thing that I don't know if I'd ever get, uh, get used to. Well, you're, well, I, don't, I think you'd be fine. As long as you're a skip, you're, you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's why Chris skips. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. When I beat you, I skipped, didn't I? Oh my God! Here, here we go. Yeah. Clarky, Blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. 
Anyway. That's that's fair. Um, <laughs> I hope you paid attention to John's rule change there, Clarky. Make sure you write that down for yourself. Um, you know, John, obviously, you know, Steve touched on it earlier, just how much traction the game has gained. It's always been very popular in Canada, at least certainly in my lifetime, it's always been popular. But what are some of the things that, you know, maybe the sport yourselves, the people running the sport can do to increase the popularity? That's a really good question. I think, um, you know, I think one thing that that as curlers we've done really well, and and it's like, and I've always said this, it's like no other sport, that interaction between the athlete and the spectator. Uh, you don't you don't have that where at the you know in the the hard stop lounge or the patch, you know after the Scotties and the Briar games, and you're you're you have that contact between the the athlete and the and the socialization, and we get to you know have a couple of drinks with everybody, and and that's one thing that we I think we continually do well, um, so that we gain a lot of a, a lot of fans and support. I think I think we thought curling you know we thought curling was going to maybe take off and soar after the U.S. Uh, team won the Olympic gold. Uh, we thought that maybe it would it would take off even more in the U.S. and we see those numbers kind of going up, but. I think in order for it to really get big time and more, probably we need we need some more growth in uh, you know maybe in other countries. John, I'm assuming your team is the same as it was last year, and uh, Ryan Fry's your third. How has that been having Ryan there? I know he had some issues, and uh, he was with Jacobs, of course. But how has he fit into your team? Oh, it's great. I mean, a lot of people don't know that uh, Ryan and I have been a long time friends. Um, so it was an easy fit when when he he joined the team and. And then, of course, uh, you know, Langer is one of the easiest guys to get along with. Matt, he just really doesn't say much. So you can't really argue with him ever. And uh, we've been together, uh, been together a long time, Matt. And, uh, you know, as I said, he's always he's my kind of my ride or die. We've been, uh, you know, six years together and, uh, you know, a great friend. And, and that's one thing that this team actually uh, we, we have great relationships, good friendships uh, on and off the ice. And, uh, you know, as veterans, we're just able to kind of say whatever we want to each other and uh, and, and, uh, so far, so, so far, so good. Uh, I want to follow up on that saying, whatever you want to each other. It's one thing I love about curling is when you're watching it on TV, you can think along, you can play along and you hear everything that you guys say for the most part. Do you ever get tired of that or do you not mind it and just go on? Like, is it, do you consciously think about it that you're mic'd? Not, not anymore, uh, okay. to be honest. I, and, and I think that's maybe that's, an, you know, another thing to say that, you know, what we do well in our sport is to be able to hear basically all of us talk to each other. And it's amazing. And the ups, yeah. the ups yeah. and the, the ups and the downs and the uh, you can get our facial expressions in there, too. Right. At uh, <laughs> at the moment, there's no there's no, uh, you know, helmets on or anything. So I think that's uh, yeah, that's another great, great thing that the that the sport has. And yeah, sometimes we get caught maybe saying something we shouldn't. But uh, for the most part, we're uh, I'd like to think at this point we've we've been around it enough that we're uh, pretty well behaved. Well, I mean, Tracy, <laughs> oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Tracy. Um, yeah, it, it took some getting used to starting out, um, getting used to being on TV, especially for me being, um, a little on the shyer side. Um, sometimes you overthink, you don't want to, uh, say the wrong thing, but, um, just with experience and time, it, it gets easy and you don't even really notice or think about it anymore. 
Uh, and I was just going to say, I mean, that's what uh, my broadcasting professor always said. That's what the delay button is for in the truck. Um, I, John, you touched on on something that I, I was already wanting to ask all of you. And I, we've talked with Sean and Katie about it a little bit before. You know, that relationship that curling and its fans has, it's really unlike any other sport where the fans are right there beside you guys. And then there's that interaction. I mean, you just don't get that. If you go to a football game or a basketball game, you know, Kyle Lowry doesn't come out and hang out with everybody on the basketball court after the game. It's extremely unique and and fun. And, you know, curling has always been one of those sports where, um, you know, the tournaments are really fun and the players seem to always have a pretty good time at these events um, without, you know, going into too much detail. I'd, I'd love to hear from each of you guys, uh, starting with the Cottrells, the most fun tournament that you were at, you know, we don't have to sewer anybody or, or anything like that, but just the most fun you ever had at an event. Can we sewer some people or yes. no? absolutely. <laughs> as long as it's not me. Tim, we're going to see this. No. <laughs> um, yeah, probably one of our first uh, national champion mixed doubles in Saskatoon were so that it was before mixed doubles was in an arena. It was just in the Nutana Curling Club in Saskatoon, and they did an awesome job of putting the event on. Um, it was just really starting to grow at that point that it was um, some of the top players like John and some of those people were were there for maybe one of the first times in in mixed doubles and. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a blast. Uh, I, do you want to do you have anything you want to? No, I agree with that. I think it it was cool to to travel to the Nutana in Saskatoon, and um, yeah, I think it was it was good. Yeah, like li- lots of live entertainment in the evenings, and um, mixed. I still feel like uh, like mixed doubles kind of even takes like for the to. The, for the players takes the social part of it to even the next level. Like it's, it's very, very social. Um, it's super, super competitive too, but um, some of the play, I don't want to say the players take it less seriously, but I think um, with smaller groups of people, you're, you're, it's you and your partner. You're almost looking for other people to socialize with. Um, like in our case, we spend every minute of every day together, so it's nice to hang out with some other people for a little bit. No, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, no, I think that was probably as mixed doubles players, probably one of the the most fun events we've been part of. Yeah, Tracy, what about yourself? I mean, being uh, you know the skip of a team from Manitoba, those people know how to have a good time out there. Uh, what are maybe some of the more fun events that you've been able to attend with your team? Uh, well, last summer we had the opportunity to play an event in Japan. Um, it was a, a competitive event, but it still um, it was just so much fun just experiencing the culture over there and the hospitality was unreal. And um, we just really enjoyed the trip, ate lots of sushi, did some karaoke. Um, it was just um, a really enjoyable time. John, you have any war stories from the oh. tour? Yeah, I got to be careful. <laughs> Um, you know what? I, I, it's funny. I, I, part of the kind of the old guard, the old school too. I, when I used to, uh, I think when I used to curl with Wayne Madai, I played second for Wayne and, uh, we went to, I think we went to Scotland one time and we got to play St. Andrews in Carnoustie. And, and then, um, the, the one day we, uh, we actually had a four game day. And of course, 
Wayne's rule when you play with Wayne is you always, you know, we, we stayed at the nice hotels, we ate good food and we always drank, drank really well. You know, that was, that was part of it. So, you know, we had a, had a, had a big, big night. And, and I remember we, uh, we had to get up in the morning I think we went to bed at four, got up at six to play our, our eight o'clock game. We won in four ends back to bed. And then, you know, we saw that team again that night that we beat in the morning and they, and they, you know, came to us at the, uh, at the bar that we were at and said, you know, you know, what was up with you guys in the morning? Like, were you, you know, how are you? And then, you know, we said, well, and then, and then they were quite embarrassed that they had gotten beat by a couple of, couple of old guys that were hungover. So anyways, <laughs> but, uh, but you know what, uh, that, that was the old school, old school curling. It doesn't, that doesn't happen any, uh, anymore, but, but good memories. Um, Tracy, I just wanted to uh, ask you about, um, growing up in Northern Ontario um, and, and expanding, you know, the, uh, your world in curling. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey of how you ended up in, in Manitoba with the team there. Uh, yeah, so this is my third uh, year with this team based out of Manitoba. So a few years ago, Curling Canada, they changed um, some of the residency rules, which allow for a team to have one player from out of province. Um, so up until then, you had to all uh, live within the same province. So um, this rule change uh, gave teams a bit more flexibility when they were forming their teams. Um, so a few years ago, when my team was disbanding, um, good opportunity came along to join this uh, team out of Manitoba. So do you find a difference at all um, between curling in Ontario to curling in Manitoba? when it comes to club setup or fans or anything to that uh, uh, respect? Uh, it's pretty similar. Um, maybe a difference would be just like the quantity of teams, quantity of good teams over there. Like um, Northern Ontario, there's good teams as well. It's just not as many of them. So that was a difference. Um, like going to provincials and every team there um, is a contender and it's just really highly competitive. Hey, John, I just have one last question for you. Um, you mentioned earlier you haven't thrown a rock since the briar. Put that in perspective for us. On a normal year, non-COVID, what, what would you have done so far and how has like your future been affected of how many tournaments you have booked and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it, it changed. I mean, even the off-season with, with really gyms being closed and just the mm -hmm. same training that you would normally go through. And, you know, we curled till the end of end of uh, April. I was supposed to go to uh, Germany, Switzerland, and China, actually, this uh, summer to do some training and do some coaching. So I would have thrown rocks. Um, yeah, and, and then this season, usually would play, you know, eight, nine events before Christmas. Right now, it looks like it's going to be four or five. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, going back to the point system, we're lucky we have already have a spot in the Olympic trials for uh, for the men's trials. So we don't have to worry too much about the competition, but yet we want to play in lots of games because we have uh, we have great partners that we want uh, to say that exposure like cool bet. And uh, we want to, uh, you know, we want some TV time and and, uh, you know, get that social content out there for them. And, and of course, for our fans and our friends and family who uh, who follow uh, follow along. So but you know what? Well, I'll tell you, ask me, ask me in four days after I step on the ice and first time in six months and uh, see how it goes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like I know you were you said you were coaching. You uh, actually came out to Humber College one morning to uh, Weston Curling Club and helped my daughter out when she was playing on the curling team there. So I uh, thank you for that. She, she It was like a couple hours, but she said she learned so much that morning. So it was great. Oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad I could help. Yeah.
Well, she certainly picked up more than she would have from you, Clarky, right? So, I mean, it's really good and fortunate that John was there. Um, guys, I can't thank you all enough for joining us. It's been such a crazy year. We're so excited for curling to get back on our televisions. Hopefully that's soon. Uh, Sean and Katie Cottrell, Tracy Fleury, and John Epping. Guys, we really appreciate you joining us here on MWO Sports. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for having us. We really appreciate Sean and Katie Cottrell, Tracy Fleury, and John Epping for joining us here on MWO Sports. We will take a quick break and chat about all the latest sports news right here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. I am Ryan Drury. He is Clarky. He is Steve Saverin. Guys, lots going on in the uh, sports world. And uh, we will be chatting with our resident golf pro, Ian Doig, here on County Native, coming up shortly. But first, lots to touch on. Let's start with the cup final. Tampa Bay up to one. Steven Stamkos makes an appearance out of nowhere. And I mean, he barely played, but he scored an unbelievable goal. And then unfortunately he had to leave. I mean, it, it looks like he just can't continue. I mean, Clarky, I'll start with you. Were you surprised to see him out there? I couldn't believe it when he was out there for warmup. Yeah, a little surprised, but I mean, this is the Stanley cup final. So if the guy's going to be able to play, he's going to be able to play and he's going to want to play. Um, and I think, I honestly think this is over. I think Tampa's going to roll now. Uh, their first game, they were tired. They were a tired group. No question coming off that seven game series. So I think, uh, I think it's over. I really do. Yeah. Game three. I mean, it, that's a crucial swing game in a series when you're tied at one. Right. And you know, you put your captain back in, you give a little morale boost to the troops. He scores a goal. They roll over Dallas. Um, yeah, the, the machine's going to be clicking. And, and I said it earlier, I, I really think Dallas um, has been skating on thin ice, so to speak, through this entire playoff run. And it always seems to happen to one team. They have unbelievable comebacks. You know, they... They fight in the trenches, you know, they get to the cup final and then they meet their opponent who is just heads and shoulders better or better rested or whatever the case may be. And uh, Tampa Bay seems to be that team this year. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And like, I know at the end of the Western Conference final, a reporter asked him about it and he kind of laughed and said, well, it proves analytics are overrated. And of course, I'm referring to Tyler Sagan. Now, I, I'm on that ship with him to a degree. But if Dallas does lose this Stanley Cup final, and Clarky, I'm right there with you. I'm pretty confident. I, I, I said Tampa in six. It might be in five. Um, if they lose, at, at what point do you start levying some hardcore criticism at Tyler Sagan's feet. Now, again, we're in the Stanley Cup final. Everyone's tired. I'm sure he's got some injuries. Everybody does. Mm. But this is a guy that's making $9.5 million. And we remember a couple of years ago, that contract dispute that he seemed to have with ownership, where he said, you know, I, I want to get paid. I've done, I've done well. And he has. They give him a $9.5 million contract, and then they get to the Cup final miraculously with him only scoring twice to this point. If they lose... 
he's the first finger I'm pointing toward. Like, where were you? Well, let's just remember the Leafs could have had this guy, but they decided to have Phil Kessel instead. Here we go. Right. Um, who also won it, a cup. So who won? Yeah, he won a cup. All right. Um, anyway, I don't know. Like, you can point fingers to anybody. You don't know, blame whoever you want. It's Tampa's a better hockey team. And I think it's showing now again with that first game. I think they were coming off that Islander series and they were they were a beat up team that first game. They didn't have any rest. As Steve Cooley has mentioned last week to us, if this was a normal Stanley Cup final, there would have been a couple of travel days rest here before the final started. These teams didn't have to go anywhere, so boom, they're right back at it. Uh, one, you know, well, one day rest, and they were right back at it. So, Tampa's just a better team, I, and Dallas might surprise me again because they have surprised me in these playoffs. I really thought Vegas was going to beat them, but I just think Tampa, and they can go and point fingers whoever they want, but I don't know. I don't. I just think Tampa's a better team overall. Yeah, I think it's tough to point fingers at one player in this situation because everybody's got to step up. If Tyler Sagan was their only offensive weapon and he wasn't doing well, probably a bigger issue. But I mean, I mean, you got to remember it's, it's there to the elite two teams left. These are the teams that have went through the whole process and they're the cream of the crop. So um, I'm sure there's some players on Tampa Bay who aren't performing as well as they would like or their team would like. But, of course, they're not overshadowed because they're winning the series and they seem to be clicking pretty good. So, um, and again, Dallas has proven in past series that they like to play comeback. So, um, does Tyler Sagan go on a roll starting in game four and something magically happens? Yeah, it's hard to say. I... I guess I'm just still bitter over all the years that Ovechkin lost in the playoffs and everybody blamed it solely on him. And then now, now seemingly that's the wrong thing to do after 10 years of kicking the crap out of that guy. I'm just a bitter Capitals fan. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, we it, know but, that. <laughs> but, but isn't it interesting though, when you look at something like this, like no, I think one's you're really a little closer. Noise. I think, I think you're a little closer to it because you're such a caps fan. I think yes. that's what it is, right? You're a little closer to it, and you 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 absorbed that as a fan for so many years. So now you're sort yeah. of looking at it from the same perspective as a huge fan. Hey, like, I, I wish the Leafs had a guy who they could blame for every playoff loss that they have, but they haven't made it far enough to really blame anybody. Like, people yeah. blame Freddie yeah. Anderson. He lets in a bad goal here and there. But let's be honest, that was the first round, Ryan. Let's get this team to the Stanley Cup final or at least the conference final. And then maybe we can start pointing. the. I'd love to be able to point a finger at one guy and say, this is the reason we didn't win the cup. I would I die for that. I there, know you would, buddy. There's also a big difference between Ovechkin and Sagan. Well, one of them is insanely better than the other. Yes. Right. The other thing, the other thing about Ovechkin is he had Crosby. Crosby was the golden boy. Ovechkin yeah, yeah. was the punching bag. Like, I mean, it's just, I mean, Tyler Sagan is a really, really good player, but he's not Ovechkin Crosby. No, yeah. not, not even it's, close. It's not the same level. You're absolutely right. But even if you want to take it outside my, 
you know, I'll take my Caps hat off and go, you know, into my bitter enemies territory, Pittsburgh. All those years after that 09 Cup win where, you know, Philly beat them in that crazy series that was there was like 15 goals a game and all of a sudden Marc-Andre Fleury sucks. Yevgeny Malkin got almost got ridden out of town. How many times at the end of the season, 2014-15, leading into those back-to-back cups where as, as soon as the summer rolled around, oh, Pittsburgh might trade Yevgeny Malkin. They're doing it again now. You never know. It uh, it'll be interesting. And we're proud to welcome on a friend of the show and our resident golf pro here on County Native and of the Ian Doig Golf Academy. Ian Doig, Doigie, how you doing, man? I'm good, guys. Uh, always good. I got to play golf today. Hey, Doigie. Before Ryan starts, we were just talking about the Leafs. What's you're a big fan as well. What do you see? What's what happened with this team this year, and what do they have to do? Well, uh, my first thought on it is. Our biggest mistake was letting Lou Lamorello go. Uh-huh. I think he's a genius. And you look what he's done with the Islanders, everywhere he's gone. And I think he is he is great at assessing talent and the type of talent you need for the right fit. And I, that's what we don't have anymore. Well, he did win the GM of the year award again. So uh, there you go. Okay, Ryan, sorry to hijack your first question. Go ahead. Yeah, what's that? The <laughs> 300 Leafs autopsy you've done this offseason? I, I need everyone's opinion before I form mine. Right. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. We, we talked about it today on the golf course. And, I, and I played golf yesterday with Sil Apps. So we were talking about it yesterday as well. There so. you go. <laughs> he would have some opinions on it. Uh yes. Doigie, we saw a pretty unbelievable display at Winged Foot over the past weekend. I mean, the golf world is a fire right now. Everybody talking about what Bryson DeChambeau did. Uh, he did something to that golf course that people just didn't think were possible. What was your opinion and, and your opinion of him overall? He seems to just be an extremely polarizing figure. What did he do so well this weekend and why is he so polarizing? Well, I think he's polarizing because he's doing things his way. He's not conforming to the rest of what the golf world thinks he should do or how he should swing it. So he's he's just kind of he's built building his own path. And uh, personally, you know, I've never been a real big fan, but he turned me into a fan this week. Um, I thought it was absolutely mesmerizing how he went about playing the golf course. And he just beat it up with pure power. And I've been to Wingfoot. I was there for the 84 Open when uh, Fuzzy uh, beat Norman. And uh, to see him do what he did to that golf course today or this past week was absolutely phenomenal. Um, And he just, you know, he's really building golf differently by building the power that he's got. I could just see Ryan's face when you said Fuzzy beat Norman. Like, who are those guys? But uh, anyway, I know who you're at. Fuzzy Zeller and Greg Norman, of course. But anyway, uh, like this guy, like obviously bulked up, can we say? How important is that now, Ian? Like, do you see it when you're you're out there competing on a weekly basis? Do you see guys now just getting bigger and pounding that ball a lot further? Well, I mean, all you have to do is look at the last few years. I mean, it's not like Brooks Kepp is a small Mm -hmm. guy and DJ is not a small guy. So it's been trending that way anyway. But the bulking up, that that's the one that surprises me. I don't think we'll see a lot of it. I think we will see some of it. I, I'll guarantee you that there was thousands of young guys on golf scholarships in the States that were in the gym on Monday morning at 7 o'clock just trying to lift the heaviest weight that they could find. 
because they're looking at that now and typically we emulate what we see happening that's successful. And so I think over the next little while, we'll see some guys that try to bulk up to beat the golf course up as opposed to play around the golf course. What made that golf course so difficult? Like you end up with one guy under par. Well, the USGA typically tries to make par a great score. And if you look through history, other than a few years, if you shoot par in a U.S. Open, whether it's the senior U.S. Open, the ladies U.S. Open, or the men's U.S. Open, if you shoot even par, you're going to probably finish in the top five. So that's their goal at the start of the week. So they grow the rough very long. They narrow the fairways down. They make the greens firm and fast if the weather allows them to do that. And that all happened this week. And then you throw in a little bit of wind. It, it's a difficult game. And, uh, you know, to me, it was a perfect week. The, the golf course played, I thought, the way it should play. And I thought it was a lot of fun to watch them. I couldn't believe where Bryson was driving it to. And and we're proving that hit, when I started, we used to hit fairways and then try to hit the middle of the green. And now they just bomb it down there as far as they can because they – the stats show that if they have a short, short club in their hand, they're going to get it closer to the pin than I am with a seven or a six iron from 170 yards. It's as simple as that, even out of the rough. Dorgi, I mean, I, 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 I got to admit, maybe sometimes I play like Patrick Reed does, but what is the deal with this guy? Like, there's a guy who like just seems to push. I don't even want to say push the limits on the rules, but it looks like he downright cheats sometimes, grounding the club, pushing the grass down. How, can the PGA Tour, like, suspend this guy for for doing this stuff? Well, they can. Well, uh, why don't they? Uh, yeah, that's a great question, honestly. I'm not a fan. Um, I think no. what he did in the Bahamas a couple of years ago was just absolutely horrible. Yeah. And what I saw this week with him, you know, we're, we are allowed to set the club behind the ball. Right. In a, in a gentle manner. But he, I mean, to me, it looked like he was pushing the grass down to, no to see. And what he's trying to do, I understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to find where the ground is. How, how far is the ball sitting up in the air? Because that's going to dictate the type of shot he, he hits. But by pushing down that, in my opinion, he was improving his lie. Sure. And, and, I, yeah. and I don't like it. I don't, I don't like it. I think the problem comes from who's going to call him on it. Because you have to call, you have to call him when it happens. And now you end up in an argument in the middle of the golf tournament and you're trying to win the golf tournament. But that's right? what I'm saying. So suspend them right. after the fact, suspend them for the next tournament, right. next so major. The, PGA, like... the USGA needs to look at the video and declare or determine right. whether it's a penalty. And if it's a penalty, then go to them and say, you know what, this is the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever infraction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to give you three months off until you learn to play by the rules. But the, the game has a history of cheaters. And I won't get into the, some of the names now, but I know of a number of players that cheated on the tour when I was out there playing and stuff. And, it, you know, I mean, BJ Singh was, was kicked off virtually every tour around the world before he ever made it big because he was caught cheating in Asia when I was playing in Asia. They kicked wow. him off the Asian tour, they kicked him off the European tour, they kicked him off the Australian tour. He had nowhere to play until he got his PJ tour card. Well, I, I tell you, I quit when I found out that there was no mulligans in the rule book. I, I, I was like, okay, that's enough for me. <laughs> I don't want to play this you, game anymore. You know what they call a mulligan in, in Scotland, Clarky? No. Three off, three off the tee. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It should I think. Be. I think the biggest thing too, uh, just quickly to end on Patrick Reed is that he's so petulant as well. I mean, he comes up with 60 excuses if he has a bad weekend, but then when he does something like that and wins a tournament, God forbid, it's like, I, you know, I, I'm the best. I dominated the golf course. But if something goes wrong, he blames everything. He blames the USGA. The green sucked this and that. I just, I can't deal with his, his petulant nature. Um, Doigu, we can't. You know, I, 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 would, I would agree with you, but here's the thing about it. He's clearly a great player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, he is he's a great yeah. player. He does not need to cheat to be to win and be a great player. And and unfortunate thing about it is, you know, he could go on and win three or four more majors, but 25 years from now, we'll still be calling talking about Patrick Reed the cheater, as yeah. opposed to Patrick Reed the five-time major champion. Yeah, You're right. Dougie, yeah. I got a question about golf in general and through this whole COVID process because as a parent of a teenage boy. Um, golf has been one of the sports that has been able to get him out of the house through the latter stages of, of summer. Um, what have you observed in the game of golf and what have you heard? Have there been increased memberships or participation in the sport? Because it really was only one of the sports that you could do through the entire summer. Uh, participation is through the roof. Um, every owner or professional club professional I've talked to is telling me that their number of rounds are up between 35 and 51 percent this year which is astronomical our biggest problem in the golf industry now is figuring out how we keep those people in playing next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that and you're right there was no there was nothing else to do I mean we had people playing golf at Tangle Creek early in the year that we would ask them and they were not golfers, but it was a way to get out and and be with their friends and be able to have a beer at the end of the round, even though it might've been a very quick beer near the halfway house, standing 12 feet apart, but they were able to socialize. And we found that we had a number, like our tee times at Tangle Creek all year long, we were booked from sunup basically to sundown. Nice. And we like, I would try to take my elite kids out to, to do on course strategies late in the evenings and in previous years i could get them out there at six o'clock in the evening this year i couldn't get them out until eight o'clock eight fifteen crazy wow. hey we're, we're nearly out of time ian i just i okay. know you you had a, a trip across the country this year golfing um in in a good 30 seconds how was that and how did you play and how has your season been uh you know what uh with all things considered uh i've hit the ball very well i didn't score quite as well as i wanted to but i if you count today, I've had, I think, three seconds out of the eight tournaments that I've played in. Um, you know, those are smaller tournaments. The McKenzie Tour, I missed uh, missed all four cuts. Uh, but I actually played well. I just putted poorly at those events. Um, the trip across country was an absolute blast. I hadn't done that since I was about 25 or 6 years old. Get in the car and, and put 10,000 kilometers on it. But, uh, yeah, I had a blast. And, uh Hopefully I can uh, continue with my sponsorships, uh, the companies that helped me out uh, going into 2021, and I plan on playing some Champions Tour events next year. Give them a shout-out. Who are your sponsors? Well, obviously I have CBD Medic uh, out of the States, who has been very, very helpful in the last year. 
and then even roll putters, Titleist golf balls, and uh, ping clubs. They're the main the main four. It's been Perfect. Great. I could use all four of those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you talk to me nicely, uh, Clarky, maybe get me one of those Maple Leaf jerseys signed. I could come up with some golf balls for you. Beautiful. Yeah, no yeah, problem. It seems like a I mean, fair trade. I, I think I could get McIlwain to sign one for me. <laughs> there you Perfect. go. There we go. <laughs> so, Ian, know, good, we really appreciate boy, right? So, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. We really appreciate you doing this. Um, next time we're going to have to dig into Tiger. We, we didn't even talk about Tiger. I mean, golf is shifting. How about that? Uh, well, how about that? That's pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. Well, I mean, you didn't do anything noteworthy at winged foot. So, uh, Doigie, we really appreciate you doing this. Uh, congrats on your recent success. I, I know, uh, as we record this, you played in a tournament today and did pretty well for yourself. We always appreciate your insight and knowledge on the great game of golf. Thanks so much for doing this, pal. Guys, thank you very much. And I'd be happy to come on every week if you want to have me. I, uh, I love doing it and it's lots of fun. So just uh, give me a shout. I'm writing you down in the schedule as we speak, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll take a quick break here on MWO Sports. We'll come right back with more, including, as always, every week, our wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet.co. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports. To wrap things up for the week, Ryan Drury, Steve Saverin. As always, we're brought to you by CoolBet.co, and it's the end of the show, and that means our wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet, is on with us. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great, fellas. How are you guys doing this week? Doing very well. Excited for week three of the NFL. I can tell you that a lot of teams probably aren't, and neither are fantasy football owners. What a rash of injuries last week. I had the number one pick in my pool, McCaffrey. Goodbye. Uh, I'll save the season. I traded for Edwards Hilaire. Um, let's talk about the lines this weekend. Three contests really stand out to me. Let's start with Houston, Pittsburgh. Who do you like? I uh, love the Steelers. I think they've looked fantastic to start this year, and you got to yeah. love Chase Claypool, Canadian. With a huge play last week, Big Ben's looking great. And uh, Houston's Houston, but they don't have DeAndre Hopkins. So, like, I've been fading them all the way along. I think uh, about a three-point spread there now, maybe a little bit over that. I'm okay with that. Pittsburgh inside seven, I'm fine with it. Um, you know, if you want to add it to a teaser, bring it down to just the three points off of it. You could do that or just Pittsburgh money line parlayed with something else. But I love the Steelers there, uh, especially they're at home as well. So, um you know, take the over on sacks too. Like uh, Deshaun Watson's going to get sacked. This Pittsburgh defense is going to be dominant. Yep. Buffalo and the Rams. Uh, Bills fans are in heaven right now, Chris. Um, looks like they have a quarterback uh, and things are clicking. But have they seen competition like the Rams this season? Uh, no, they haven't. And Stefan Diggs has been a huge part of this Bills attack. And Josh Allen has been great. He is prone to the mistake, though. And they are going to get their biggest challenge against the Los Angeles Rams, who I've been on the first two weeks. And I'll be back on the Rams again this week. Um, you know, it's really funny. They went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, had a bad outing there. And then everybody wrote them off. And Todd Gurley left. But this is still a really good football team. Jared Goff's been fantastic. And uh, they, they've got some big boys on defense as well. So, uh, they, they look good on the East coast last week. They stayed out there, uh, to play in Buffalo. So, um, Buffalo has been good at home. I think I like the over in this game as well, but I, I'm going to go with the Rams. 
Absolutely. Uh, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald are going to give Josh Allen a really big test. I I don't want Josh Allen running in the open field with Jalen Ramsey anywhere nearby. One more here, uh, Tennessee, Minnesota. I mean, this is an interesting one. Both teams a little underwhelming offensively. I mean, you still got Derrick Henry there. What is wrong with the Minnesota Vikings? They look terrible so far. Who do you like in this one? Minnesota Vikings have had Kirk Cousins at quarterback for a few years, and he's been terrible the whole time. It's not a surprise to anybody. He's just not that good. Um, Dalvin Cook, I think, is a stud. I think he's underrated. I I just don't think he gets the – he doesn't get the openings that he needs. You know, it's like a great running back but not playing with a a real good team. So, on the other side of the ball, you've got – for my money, the best running back in the league and Derrick Henry, certainly the most powerful, the most explosive. He hasn't really gone off yet this year. So uh, this is a tough game for me to pick. I don't love either one. Like you said, they've been on underwhelming, but uh, I think I'm going to go with the Titans. I think they've got the coaching advantage. I think they've got the quarterbacking advantage. Ryan Tannehill has been fine and uh, they've got the, the ground advantage as well. So this, this one could be, I'm not sure if it's going to be low scoring or high scoring, but I'm going to go with the Titans. Absolutely. I love it. Former Patriot Mikey Vrabel steering the boys to a victory against the Vikes. Those are the picks from the expert himself. That's why you listen to this show. Chris Abbott from Cool Bet. We appreciate this, buddy. Oh, thanks so much, guys. That Miles Gaskin picked up in fantasy this week. He's running Let's a go. The Dolphin, so it's awesome. <laughs> thanks, fellas. We'll see you next week. Absolutely, right, buddy. We appreciate it. We appreciate you listening to and watching the show. Follow us on social media at MWO underscore sports. Make sure you follow us on Facebook as well. The show is on every Friday at six on CKNX AM 920 and CKNX.ca. We're on all the best podcast networks and you can watch us Friday nights at eight, Sunday nights at nine on Whiteman TV for Chris Clark, for Steve Sabrin, for our friend Chris Abbott and all our great guests today. We appreciate you listening to and watching MWO sports brought to you by coolbet.co. <laughs>